0: Like you don't know what's coming, right? And it's just funny how, like, um, a year ago, uh, life was just very different, right? And uh, and COVID and and all this stuff has brought just interesting things in our life with lockdowns and and the whole world grinding to a stop for a season. And some places still uh, closed down. And even in here in Thailand, where we're we're pretty fortunate to be pretty COVID-free, it's still complicated. Uh, There's still travel restrictions, and of course, people are stuck outside of the country. Some people are stuck in the country and are afraid to leave because they know they can't come back. Families are separated. uh, Where some spouses, some of our even our members here, their spouses are are in other countries and they're here, and it's it's been hard. Um, Families are separated for weddings. You know, they can't attend uh, their kids' weddings, and that's hard. And 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 even sadder, sometimes people are unable to visit the sick and the dying uh, relatives and loved ones. So it's hard. It's been a hard year. And of course, uh, on top of that, there's the economic impact uh, that COVID has brought to the world, a lot of unemployment and, and financial struggles. And if that weren't enough, like if that weren't enough all by itself, in the midst of all this past year, there's been, you know, crazy racial divisions and riots of kind of epic proportions uh, in many countries, in crazy political turmoil, and uh, world leaders who are just out of control. And so, Merry Christmas, <laughs> right? Happy New Year. Um, uh, and you know, when we think about Christmas and celebrating the birth of Jesus, we gotta we gotta understand that you know Jesus was born in a world that was really no different. And uh, for a lot of us, we feel like, and maybe in our lifetime, this is. Been, been one of the most unique or challenging times, certainly on a global scale, but, but it's important to remember that Jesus was born into a world that was also in trouble, right? Jesus was born into a, a place and a time where there were also difficulties, and it was, uh, when Jesus was born, it was not a good time to be a Jew living in Galilee or in, in Israel. Uh, Rome was in power, and uh, the Romans uh, did not love the Jews, and they were uh, very harsh to the Jewish people. And, uh, and on top of that, they had their own king, who uh, was uh, partly Jewish, half-Jewish, who should have been somewhat of an, uh, a friend, but, but Herod the Great was a horrible person. Uh, he um, uh, killed, uh, had murdered one of his wives and three of his sons because he was afraid they were trying to steal his power, this kind of guy he was. Uh, We know later in the book of Luke it gives the account that he killed uh, all the all the children two years old and younger in Bethlehem. Cold-blooded murder. This was not a this was talking about a not a good political leader. That was Herod, not a good guy. Um, And and so um, so this is a world that Mary lived in and that Jesus was born into. And for Mary, not only was there all that going on, but she had her own personal problems as well, right? And um, she, she had been, and we didn't read it, but uh, right, the, the passage right before this, of course, is when the angel appears to Mary and announces that she's, uh, that she's pregnant. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, you're going to carry uh, the Savior, and you're going to be the mother of Jesus. Um, cool miracle, but for Mary, this was also a problem. Like, this was not the kind of good news you could share publicly. Because, of course, she wasn't married. And in, in her day, that was uh, beyond just embarrassing. right? In her day, for a, a virgin to, to be pregnant was, was probably the, the worst kind of shame that could come on, on, a, on a girl in that day. Right, and so she couldn't share this news publicly. She'd ex- experienced this amazing miracle, but it also had created for her a lot of personal problems. Um, uh, and it's like, and so we see in this account, we start, we, we read that, that as soon as Mary finds out that, uh, she's pregnant or going to be pregnant, first thing she does is she, she makes haste and she goes to visit her, her Aunt Elizabeth. Right? Um, and it's, it's likely, that she didn't even tell Joseph before she left. And, of course, in the, in, the, in the account in Luke, Joseph is kind of just extra baggage. Like, you don't get the angelic appearance. We don't know how she explained this to Joseph. We don't, know, uh, we don't get the account of the angel explaining that, oh, yeah, this is a God thing. <laughs> don't worry. Um, all we know is that uh, after uh, Mary gets back from Elizabeth's house, House. There's the, the census, and Joseph and Mary go to uh, Bethlehem. Right? So it's very likely that, uh, that Mary didn't actually uh, even, even tell Joseph yet that she rushes off, rushes off to Elizabeth's house. And one of the reasons I believe that is that in the, in the account in Matthew, where when, when, when uh, Joseph does find out that, that Mary is pregnant and that it's from God, uh, he, it says he immediately takes her, uh, after he sorts it all out, takes her to be his wife, right? Uh, but that hasn't happened yet. And so you see, Mary, um, and you could put yourself in her shoes, which is a little dangerous to do, to think what it must have been like for her, but but certainly there was a lot for her to deal with in her life. Did she even tell her parents? We don't know. It doesn't say. Um, Uh, But she needs to talk to somebody about this. She needs to work this through, right? This great miracle has come to her, and uh, she clearly believes that uh, this is from God, and it's it's for the salvation of Israel. Um, But how does she process this? How does she deal with this? How does she talk? Who does she talk to about this? Can't talk to her fiancé. Probably can't talk to her parents. It's not the kind of thing she shares with her, her friends at school or wherever, her neighbor, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Um, This was complicated for her. It made her life difficult. And so uh, times like this, whether it's a crisis pregnancy or it's COVID, uh, it's easy to lose perspective, right? What is perspective? Well, perspective is how we see things around us. And I've got a fun picture. Can we pull up the, the picture? Okay, here's a picture of perspective. Now, this is my grandson Aiden when he was about four years old, three or four years old, and his parents now this is not photoshopped. this is actually a a, a photo I took okay i didn 't photoshop this, but obviously four year old Aiden is not a giant right uh, and the way you achieve this is just fun to do with a trick of the camera. actually, Aiden was standing really close to me, and way far back was his parents on this big oversized chair right and by by collapsing the view into one one thing on a camera, it, it it changes the perspective, right? And it makes it look like my my grandson's going to grow up to be 15 feet tall, and uh, or either that or his parents got spent too much time in the dryer and got shrunk, right? And it's 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 a matter of perspective, right? The things that are close in this picture are way too big, and the things that are far away look small. Um, and that's what happens when our perspective is off, right? Uh, when when we make the problems too big, because they're what's close to us and what's right in front of us, and we tend to make God way too small, right? That's what happens when our perspective is off, or when we're losing, uh, when we're losing our perspective. Um, and that's exactly what, uh, what what what's what I see happening in the world today. And, uh, and as I you know, see what Christians are saying, see what people are posting, see what things are doing, it seems really apparent that uh, we've made the problems in the world today way too big, way too big. And it's not that they're not serious problems. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say COVID is not a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. I'll, I'll give you that, right? Uh, the, the political turmoil is a big deal. Uh, the, the, the chaos, yeah, it's a big deal. But is it a bigger deal than God? Right? Or have we made the problem so big that we've shrunk God down to where he's unable to have power and control in our lives over these things? I think that's that's happening a lot. And maybe it's happening in your life. Um, But Mary was different, right? And so, so... so here's Mary. She's, she's dealing with this, what could be an overwhelming problem, right? Her pregnancy and how she's going to talk about that, how she's going to deal with it. Um, for her, it could have been really a, a, a giant-sized problem. But uh, she doesn't do that. And we see in, in verse 39 that it says she arose and she made haste to go into the hill country to visit um, Elizabeth. She needs somebody she can talk to and somebody who will understand her. And Elizabeth's a perfect candidate for this because Elizabeth is going through the same situation, this miraculous supernatural pregnancy. And of course, Elizabeth didn't uh, conceive uh, uh, as a virgin. She had been married for a long time, but she was old and uh, beyond the years of childbearing. And so her pregnancy was supernatural. So Mary knows that Elizabeth will understand. So she makes haste and she goes to talk and to process things, and to be with with Elizabeth, and to find some support and some understanding. And when she gets there, she finds it from Elizabeth, right? It says that when Elizabeth heard, uh, heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Right, so so Mary went to the right place. And here's a woman who can understand her, and who understands that, uh, that her pregnancy is from God, and that she is carrying uh, Jesus the Savior. And that's interesting, even, even in the womb, John is already bearing witness to Jesus, who is also not yet born. Um, and 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 I love what Mary, uh, what, what Elizabeth says next. She says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now I love that Elizabeth says this, right? Because you remember when, when her husband Zechariah got the news that, that Elizabeth was going to be pregnant, um, how, did, how did he respond? Well, he didn't respond very well, right? Um, and in fact, in fact, we see that in the account with Zechariah, Zechariah actually zooms in on the problem, right? He zooms in on the problem. And in Luke uh, one eighteen, it says this, uh, when the angel made this announcement to Zechariah, your wife is going to bear a child, right? And what does Zechariah reply? He says, how shall I know this? Really what he means by that is not how shall I know, but how should I believe this? Like, how should I believe this? For I am an old man, and my wife is in advance in years. He's saying, look, God, there's a problem here. Like, I don't know if you notice, if you check the calendar, but I'm like really old, and my wife is really old. This is not going to happen, right? And he wasn't just questioning, um, uh, like, how it was going to work. But uh, Gabriel replies, and he says, look, I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to you from God himself to speak to you this news. Like, hello, you're talking to an angel. Like, and you're worried about what's possible? Like, what's wrong with you, guy? Right? And he says, behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because why? Because you did not believe my words. Right? And, and Zechariah is a great example of the wrong perspective. He has zoomed in on the problem, and that problem is so big that he's made God tiny. And he's convinced God cannot overcome this problem, right? And so he has no faith. And so Elizabeth says, I just love what she says here, she says, Praise God you're not like my husband. Well, that's not what she said, actually. But it's kind of there, right? It's kind of there. Praise God that you believe that God would do what he said, when some people I know didn't, Right? Uh, That's kind of how it works. But she was kind. She didn't actually say that, even though we all know she was thinking it. Right? Um, But Mary was different. Right? Mary was different. And she was not focused on the problem, but she was focused on the greatness of God. Now, it's interesting. Actually, Mary did have her doubts as well. And if you go back to chapter 1, verse 45, uh, I'm sorry, verse 34, Uh, Mary says to the angel, when the angel makes this announcement to her, you're going to have a child. And and Mary says a very similar thing. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and um, uh, therefore the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Right? She doesn't say, No, that's impossible. Like, like haven't you? I've read, I took biology. <laughs> like, I know this is not how it works. Like, she doesn't doubt. She's a little confused about the mechanics of how this is going to work. She's like, I, you know, I'm a virgin. But when the angel explains it to her, she believes the word, Right? So so Mary was able to keep things in the right perspective because she had this focus that God could do the impossible. God was bigger than whatever obstacle or problems might be before her. Uh, And and it's a good thing for us to remember this as well, as we face problems in our life day by day, right? Um, It's so tempting to make the problems in our life way bigger than they are and 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 to keep our focus on those things, and to lose perspective that God is bigger, that we serve a God who can do the impossible, and he uh, is bigger than any problems in our life um, and and so so Mary's a great example of this, and when she meets with uh, elizabeth and and we don't know how long it took uh, for her to get there, maybe not too long um, but but uh, the first thing that Mary does is she bursts out with this amazing song, right? This amazing psalm. Uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Um, this, this psalm, this song is, is loaded with Scripture. In fact, I don't have time to go through it, but there's some great studies that have been done. And, and almost every word, every phrase ties into quotes from the Old Testament or Old Testament themes. Uh, and it's it's actually patterned somewhat after the prayer of, of Hannah uh, when when she got the the news that, that she would give birth to Samuel, and it's well crafted and well thought through. And, and what we know is that uh, a couple of things. We know for one that it shows Mary was a was a woman who had an, a very deep knowledge of Scripture. Okay, she was a person who spent time in the Word, and the Word had filled her heart and mind. And so when she came up with this song of praise. Uh, it was rooted in Scripture. And it's also clear that uh, that she had been thinking about these things a lot, these truths. So she's processing what's going on in her own life. She's doing it through Scripture. And she's thinking, well, who in the Old Testament experienced this sort of thing? And she thought about Hannah. And she connected with, with Hannah's situation, with Hannah's psalm of praise, right? Um, uh. And what we see is as these thoughts, as Mary processes these things, her thoughts and her ideas and what's going on in her life gets channeled and focused into this great chorus of worship. And, and really here, I think, is the key and the lesson for us. Uh, Mary keeps her perspective because she is a person of, of intentional worship. Right, she is in intentionally worshiped, and you know, in the Scripture it kind of gives the uh, effect that, uh, that that Elizabeth says, "Blessed are you," and Mary just kind of spontaneously bursts out with this psalm. And it's possible that the Holy Spirit just came on her and she 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 spontaneously just gushes out with this song. But but actually, I don't think so. Uh, Luke is very careful to say that that Elizabeth spoke what she did by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that about Mary. And I think, I think what happened is that Mary had been composing this song as she's traveling from, from Nazareth to uh, to the home of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And she is meditating on Scripture, and she was worshiping God. And it is that worship of God that helped her keep her focus in the right place, keep her perspective. And I think it's a great lesson for us. And so... Um, Let's take just a minute and look at, at her psalm, at her worship, and see uh, there are five things that characterize her worship. And, and, and I think it is for us how we will keep perspective in the, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of problems, in the midst of difficulties in our life. Uh, when we daily and intentionally focus on worshiping God, it helps us keep our perspective in order. So let's look at these five areas of worship. Uh, first off, worship uh, Mary has a kind of worship that is magnifying God and overflowing with joy. Magnifying God and overflowing with joy. Uh, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. To magnify something is to make it bigger, right? Uh, this is, this is an important thing for me nowadays, now in my life every day because if things aren't big enough, I can't see them. And I don't know what happened in the world, but like, like they used to print books with a lot bigger letters. And now they're microscopic. I don't know how this happened. But I, I can't read anything. You know, I have to magnify. I've got these very special glasses that have 15 different like, you know, layers. And I have to get my head in just the right place. And I magnifies it. Wow, it's awesome. And I can read these communist plot to make everything tiny, right? Uh, I'm overcoming it because I'm magnifying it and making it bigger, right? And not only doesn't make things bigger, magnifying makes things bigger, but it also makes it more clear. It makes it visible, right? By making it bigger, by enlarging it, I make it bigger. Now, if that's what it means to magnify something, the question is, how do we magnify God? Like, like, how do you make God bigger? I have a slide. Can, can we bring up the, the cartoon slide? This is one of my favorite far side cartoons. This lady's driving her car, and the, the mirror says, objects in mirror are closer than they appear. <laughs> okay, this eyeball. Okay, like, it's obviously really close, if it's already closer than it appears, right? Um, that's kind of the effect, I think, when we think about magnifying God. Like, how do you make God bigger than He is? He's infinitely big, right? How could Mary magnify Him? How do you make God bigger than He is? Well, of course, uh, we can't make God bigger because he's infinitely big, right? He is, he is without limit, right? The problem is not really making God bigger. The problem is expanding and enlarging our view of him. Right? It's back to that picture. The problem is, you know, we've got the picture where the problem is too big and we've, we've, we've made God far too distant and far too small. So the idea is not that she was making God really bigger, but she was magnifying. She was enlarging God's, or her view of God in her heart and mind, right? And really, worship begins there, right? Worship begins by expanding our vision of Him, trying to capture how big He really is, right? Right? And to get a view of how awesome and unlimited God is in, in scope and power and in His in, infinite nature, right? making Him bigger than our problems, making Him bigger than every obstacle, uh, making Him the ultimate source of power and strength in our life. By focusing on Him, on His promises and His character, which we'll see in a minute, even more on that theme. Mary does that. Mary expands her vision of God. right? Um, But not only that, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, Good worship is also overflowing with joy. And uh, I like the ESV. It's a good translation. And a lot of translations actually translate this word, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. But uh, this is a case where rejoice is just not a big enough word. And it really doesn't capture what, uh, what what it expresses in the Greek. The Greek word here really is a word that expresses an overflowing abundance of joy. Like, like, uh, jumping up and down shouting kinds of joy uh, it it exalts right what is exalting It's not a word we use often, but uh, it's it's what I would call uh, the the feeling we get when we experience a great victory or deliverance, and we feel this ecstatic overwhelming bubbling joy and so that's why you know she's kept this pent up she couldn't tell anybody she couldn't she couldn't express her Her celebration, her joy in Nazareth. But man, when she sees Mary, I mean, when when, when she sees Elizabeth, and she hears those words from Elizabeth, that Elizabeth knows what's going on, it's like a volcano that erupts with praise, God, right? Because she's overflowing with joy. Um, The closest I can come to expressing this kind of in earthly terms is what I would call sports joy. Seems kind of weird, I know. But here's, here's sports joy. Uh, way back a long time ago, I, I coached many different sports. One of them was girls uh, middle school of girls basketball. It was a great joy, teaching seventh grade girls how to play basketball. A lot of fun. And I remember this one game, uh, it, was, it was towards the end of the game, and I think there was about five seconds left on the clock, and the score was 10 to 11. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't soccer. It was basketball. Um, <laughs> And this is kind of the nature of girls' basketball. 10 to 11 is actually a high-scoring game, as it turns out, because it, it's really hard to get that ball through that hoop when you're, when you're a 13-year-old girl, or boy, or boy, for that matter. Um, and so um, four seconds left, and, and we, we had the ball, and we were down by one point. Right? So I call a timeout, and I call the girls over, and I get my whiteboard out, and I mark up this play, and, like, these, these girls had never really been able to execute a play, ever. But I'm like, okay, if you're going to score a basket, this is how it's got to work. you got to stand here, you got to stand here, and you're going to throw the ball in, and we're going to do this, and if it works, you're going to get the ball right into the basket, and you shoot, and I'm going to pray a lot, right? And so they all go, girls are all excited. They go back in, and uh, ref hands her uh, the girl the ball, and, and they execute my play perfectly, and the girl gets the ball right into the basket, and three, two, one, and just as the, the clock runs out, she throws the wings the ball up, and a miracle a miracle, it goes in, and we win, right now it's twelve to eleven, and I was just so happy I mean I, a world champion could not a championship could not have made me more happy than than those 12 year old 13 uh, year old girls right uh, we were We were jumping up and down with joy right and and uh and that's what God wants us to experience in our walk with him. Overflowing joy, right? Uh, we are to enjoy him. Like worship is not something we do to just like applaud God, but it's something we do where we experience and encounter him in a way that, that we do life with him. And, the, and it produces in us joy when we come to know uh, God's love and care for us and his plan for us. And, and the wonder of who he is. Uh, and that comes about as we encounter God at work in our life. So this came about for Mary because she had encountered God through this uh, crazy miracle of birth. And we don't know by now how far she's along, but maybe she's starting to feel this baby kick and move inside of her, and every time it was a reminder of this amazing miracle. Now, you and I... Uh, uh, For me, especially, thankfully, I'm not going to ever experience the miracle that that Mary did, not even in a natural way, much less in a supernatural way. Um, And and certainly what she experienced was was very dramatic. And, And God's work in our life may not always be that dramatic, but it's not any less real or significant because it's less dramatic.
1: Right?
0: The reality is Mary was carrying a new life in her. Produced by the Holy Spirit. And if you are in Christ, you are carrying within you new life produced by the Holy Spirit. And you may may not feel it literally kicking, but man, you are a new person in Christ through the work of of the cross. And you have have life abundant, life eternal in Him. And and, it may not... It may not be quite as dramatic, but it is no less real. In fact, I would say in some ways it's more um, spectacular because the new life that Mary had, she carried only nine months. The new life that we have in Jesus is eternal. Right? We have eternal life in him. The new spiritual birth that has come about in us will never be taken away. Right? And it should be a source of incredible joy, as we experience God in us and near us and with us uh, through what Christ has done for us. So so that's one thing. Worship also, though, is is rooted in humility. You cannot truly worship God apart from a place of of deep-seated humility. And and Mary says, um, My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble a state of his servant. Um, This humble estate really has an idea of of low status. Uh, Mary knew her place in the world, and she knew that she was not an important person, uh, humanly speaking. Now, of course, in God's plan, it turns out she was pretty important, right? One of a kind. Um, But humanly speaking, she was a person of very low status. In her day and in her time, uh, just being a woman, uh, sadly, made her a person of pretty low status. And being a young, unmarried woman, even lower. Right? She couldn't even claim the status of her husband. Uh, on top of that, she was um, unwed and pregnant. Okay, <laughs> that that drops you down a few more notches, right? Uh, on top of that, she was from Nazareth. <laughs> uh, Nazareth was was not an important city, right? It was. It was low status, no status. And she was probably a very poor peasant girl. But on top of that, on top of all of that, Mary also knew that she was a sinner. Okay, sorry if there's any Catholics out there. Um, The whole doctrine of of Mary being perfect um, is not in Scripture. It's not supported by the Bible. For she says, um, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Okay, who needs a Savior? Well, sinners need a Savior, right? People who who know they are not worthy of God's presence need a Savior. And Mary knew she was in need of a Savior. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she was not in herself a good person. Uh, God saves those who need it, not those who think they are good. And so, so Mary comes knowing her, her low status and her humble position. And she comes... Humbly before God in worship. Uh, and she, she reminds us in her psalm that uh, the proud will only experience the loss of glory and power. Right? Those who exalt themselves don't have anything to celebrate. Right? She says, God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in, their thought, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and he's exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has uh, the rich he has sent away empty. Right, so Mary points out some great theology here. One, God helps humble people. God lifts up those who humble themselves, who know they are nothing and who know they need God's help. But those who think they're something, those who think they are important, those who rely on their status and on their wealth, God will bring down. Right? God will remove them from their thrones and from their positions of power. And the simple truth is that God uh, wants to do great things for people, but he cannot do anything for those who do not humble themselves. Right? Mary uh, came into God's grace because she was a humble person. And she knew she needed God's help. Um, J.C. Ryle wrote this, a man has just so much Christianity as he has humility. Okay? So if we want to worship God, if we want to have the right perspective and worship God, like the place we need to start is to humble ourselves
1: right? uh,
0: before God. But then also uh, for Mary, her worship flowed from an, a, a personal experience of God's power. Because she did humble herself, God did lift up, uh, and raise her up, and work in her life, um, and and we can be confident that as we seek God humbly, God is going to work in our life, and He is going to work out His salvation, and His purpose with great power, right? Great power. Um, uh, again, when 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 the angel came to to Mary, uh, and 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 Mary said, like, how's this going to happen? Uh, the angel says to her, Behold, your relative Elizabeth is, in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And and, and Mary knew that. Mary focused on this God who could do the impossible. And so she says, uh, God has looked on on, uh, the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Right? What an amazing declaration. Like here's this girl who knows she's nothing, who knows she has no status, who knows she's a sinner. But she said, because of God's work in my life, from, from generations till the end of time, people are going to look at me and call me blessed. Blessed. right? Uh, and it's... Uh, it, it, and all the things that God does in His power, all the things He does to save us and to work out His purpose in our life, uh, the blessing is this, right? The blessing is this. God wants to restore His God intended dignity to your life. Right? She was nobody. She was a, uh, from Nazareth. She was a, a woman in her day who was not respected as anything. But she said, I am blessed. I have worth and dignity, and my life has purpose because God is accomplishing His work and His plan in my life. Now, your plan is different. God, uh, God's not going to do the same plan for you that He did for Mary. Praise God. Not really wanting to carry a child for nine months. My, my heart goes out to those of you who do. Uh, uh, you're my heroes. Awesome. Uh, but God has a purpose for you that's different. And God's purpose for you is uh, one of great worth and value, eternal significance, right? That's what his power does. That's the power of the gospel and the cross at work in you. That God has turned us from sinners, from those who are in the kingdom of darkness, into saints who belong in the kingdom of light. And our life has incredible worth and value, right? So we can worship God as we focus on his power to accomplish his plan according to his great per- promises. Right? Uh, fourthly, worship is mindful of God's mercy. And not only is God powerful. Not only can God do whatever he wants, but God is a God who is merciful. Right? God actually wants to do things to help you. Like it would be one thing, and in fact, those gods who are worshiped in this world who are worshiped for their power. But they are so feared because they are not compassionate. Right? Um, but but that's not, not the God of the Bible. Mary sings, For he who is has for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Then in verse 54, she says, He has helped his servant Israel. So not only in her own life, but she she expands her praise to all of Israel. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Not just once in a while, but generation after generation, God remains unchanged in his character. And what is his character? God is a god Of mercy, what is mercy? Uh, Mercy is showing kindness and compassion to those who need help, even when they don't deserve it, right? Even when they've they've done nothing to merit it, or when I really have no cause or reason to help them. So, if we're walking down the sidewalk and we see a poor blind person begging, maybe at the Sunday market, right? They're out there and they're blind. They have a little cup. We don't know them. We have no relationship with them. They've done nothing to help us or for us. But we have mercy on them, and we think, I want to help them. And we we pull out our our wallet, and we pull out some bills, and we give it to them. We're showing kindness to somebody who doesn't necessarily deserve it from our point of view. That's God's heart towards us. And it's not just something God does once in a while. It is his very character in nature. This is who he is from generation to generation. He is a God who sees uh, broken, hurting, messed up people, blind spiritually, dead spiritually. And he has mercy on us. He had mercy on Mary. He had mercy on Israel. That there was ever a group of people who did not deserve God's help. It was Israel who had rebelled against God over and over and over. But God is faithful to his promise to Abraham, faithful to his covenant promises, and faithful to his own character, which is merciful and kind and compassionate, right? And so Mary remembers, she focuses on, she celebrates the, the merciful character of God. Um, finally, uh, lastly, Mary's worship is shared with others who could relate to her situation. And I love this. And, and I, just, I just love this picture of Mary who um, uh, got this amazing news and from the moment she heard it, couldn't say a word, right? Like, can you imagine what this would be like? Like, have you ever had to keep a secret that you just were bursting to tell somebody? Well, this is Mary, right? She's got this amazing pregnancy. I'm going to have a baby. And not just any baby. I'm going to have the Savior of the world, the Messiah of Israel is coming, and I'm going to give birth to this, this one. And guess what? It was by the Holy Spirit. Like I haven't been with a man, and I am pregnant. I mean, this is an amazing miracle. And I just picture her wanting to tell somebody this news. And she has to be quiet, right? And so the whole way to to visit Elizabeth, I mean, this psalm is growing and building in her, and and uh, it's just bursting there. And finally, she finds another soul who gets her, who understands, who shares in her experience. And man, out it comes, this this gushing praise to Elizabeth, right? And it gains power because she can share it with somebody who who understands. And there's two parts to this. Part of it, it was private. Part of it, she was worshiping God in her own heart and soul as she meditated on these things, as she thought about who God was and his purpose and his promises and his mercy. And and, and so in her own reflection and solitude, uh, the the song was hatched. But uh, it had power when she got to share it with somebody else. Right when she could join with somebody who understood and could sing it to her, right, and and that's the way worship is. Like worship begins in our own hearts, in our own solitude, and our own reflection with God, as we think about what God's done in our life, and as we reflect on His greatness and His power, and we experience and encounter Him as He's at work in our life. But uh, but it gets it gets more power it gets more weight and more meaning when we come together with like-minded people who, who share this journey of grace and we together praise God, right? As we together lift up God, right? There is something powerful about our corporate worship. Whether it's gathered like this with the body or in a small group or with a friend one-on-one, when we celebrate uh, our experience of grace as we walk with God.
1: Right?
0: And for Mary, I really do believe it was her intentional, heartfelt worship that kept all this in the right perspective. Right? And that really made her the right person to be the mother of Jesus. Not because she was perfect or sinless, but because she trusted God. She believed in God that he could do and would accomplish his purpose in her life. Uh, when things start to get out of focus for you and I, like it's a good sign that maybe we're not being intentional and as regular as we should be in worship, like daily, in our quiet time, reflecting on the wonder and majesty and, and promise of God, okay? but also gathering corporately to lift up God and praise Him together. All right, let's pray.
2: Let's pray together and the worship team will come back up and lead us as we close our time together. Father, we're so thankful that you have given us your word and that you've worked with people like Mary and Joseph, people like us, that you continue to work with us. Father, we're amazed at your patience with us. We're we're just so prone to making our problems big. And uh, forgetting that you're right there, and I think of my own children, Father, who who often um, panic about something or fall down and and um, yeah, just lose it, Father, just like we do, and forgetting that their their mom or dad are right there, ready to pick them up, and they could have just reached out a hand, Father, help us to do that this week, Father, help us to uh, magnify you to. Um, even if that's sort of a, an uncomfortable or a new thing for us, Father, help us to um, allow you to teach us. Holy Spirit, would you teach us and, and lead us and guide us in that. Father, as a church and as a fellowship, we pray we would do that um, as a family. Um, connect us with each other in ways that we would be in each other's lives, uh, challenging and encouraging, picking each other up and pointing each other to Jesus. Father, be magnified in our midst. Help us to magnify you together now as we close our time. In Jesus' name, amen.